Joining me this hour, Tracy Windsor is joining me to talk about Be Not Afraid. Be Not Afraid is a private nonprofit organization that provides comprehensive case management to parents caring to term following a prenatal diagnosis. Tracy, thanks for being here with me today. Thank you, Greg, for having me. It's great to be on Quest. Tell me, you know, when I saw Be Not Afraid is the name of your apostolate, I mean, I immediately thought John Paul II. You know, this is one of the first things that he said when he was elected Pope. We know that the the phrase uh, Be Not Afraid, or at least topics of fear, can be found in Scripture over 300 times. You know, God talks a lot about fear and how right. we have fear in our lives. Talk about what is Be Not Afraid, this organization, and what exactly does it mean to provide comprehensive case management to parents caring to term following a prenatal diagnosis? What does that mean? Well, I'm a co-founder of the direct service we have for parents, but the name actually go back, goes back to the website, which predates our direct service. Oh. It's attached to the song um, and actually to the Sisters of Life because the creator of the website had a prenatal diagnosis, was devastated, uh, traumatized by the medical community because you suddenly find that abortion is part of your routine obstetric care and people are advising you that the best thing you could do is terminate. Um, and she wrote a letter to the Sisters of Life, and they responded um, talking about the song. So she named the website, Be Not Afraid. Mm. And um, I'd like to think that we provide that witness to parents. You know, so often when a parent gets a prenatal diagnosis, they're on the phone with us, probably within a day or two. Um, and you know, when you get a prenatal diagnosis, you know, you go from being maybe 20 weeks pregnant, you went for your anatomy scan, you're just like every other pregnant couple. Um, but then something goes terribly wrong. And almost immediately, you may have the doctor that you entrusted with getting you to a, a live healthy birth is looking at you saying, you know, really, uh, your best option here might be to abort or I would advise to abort. Um, so parents, as I said, are often very traumatized and they call us. And I think the, the way in which we provide that witness is that when a mother calls me and I'm talking to her about her diagnosis, it's our normal um, whereas in the world that they live in and their family and friends, they're probably the only person they ever know, they've ever known who found themselves in this situation. But for us, it's the usual. So in terms of comprehensive case management, we meet the parents at diagnosis generally. Uh, we provide information um, for them about the testing that they've had. Often we have to make sure they understand the testing that they've had and the significance of it. Um, we talk to them about other tests that may be considered. We lay out for them what carrying to term looks like because frequently they're not offered that option when they're offered the option of termination. Uh, so we explain what that looks like. And then we work on helping parents get ready for the baby that God's sending. And a large part of that is about preparing for the birth. You can't prepare for the diagnosis mm. and the shock of that, but you can get ready for baby. And it's especially important for Catholics to get ready for baby because this is where like pro-life work meets end of life or pro-life ministry meets end of life ministry and teaching in the church. So we focus on getting them ready, having a birth plan, making certain that they have the adequate referrals that they need to make the decisions that they need, making certain they understand Catholic teaching if they're Catholic, providing support at the birth, and then supporting them for one year following the birth, whatever the outcome. I want to back up a little bit and talk, you know, when we hear that term prenatal diagnosis, I would imagine that someone listening right now maybe isn't, they can kind of piece it together what that might mean. Um, maybe 
dancing around a little bit. You know, does a doctor come in and say, I have a prenatal diagnosis and it's not positive? I mean, or do they typically explain this is what's happening with your with your baby right now? It sounds like that could be a whole gamut of things. A prenatal diagnosis, it sounds like that could be anything. Right. Typically, what we're talking about is that there's prenatally, there's a diagnosis that says that baby has a medical or an intellectual disability. So it could be a, a, an anatomical abnormality, a heart defect, or a brain issue, mm. or if something's wrong with the kidneys. It could be as simple as a cleft palate or club feet. Um, or the other possibility is it's a genetic syndrome that could be associated with some anatomical issues, but oftentimes in terms of how the medical community views the baby, most often with some level of significant intellectual disability. So the things we're talking about there, trisomy 21, not as significant in terms of the level of disability, but the the, the ones that are um, more significant would be trisomy 13 and trisomy 18. What do are, what are those terms mean, the trisomy? It just means that there's a replication, an abnormal replication of the genes within the body. And for some of these, it actually impacts then baby's intellectual ability. Hmm. So babies with trisomy 13 and 18 maybe are children that will not walk, um, children that will need assistance being fed, things like that. Could they... maybe have those physical disabilities but still have complete mental uh, acuity later on? Probably not with 13 and 18. Um, there are sometimes you can have brain issues, so anatomical problems where you don't really know and you know until that baby starts making developmental milestones the extent to which um, a diagnosis, a particular diagnosis will be problematic. We're speaking right now with Tracy Windsor from Be Not Afraid. Uh, th- there's a website. We'll share that information. What is the website? It's Be Not Afraid. Be Not Afraid.net. If you want to find more information on that, you're listening to the AM 1160 Quest Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive. Uh, my name is Greg Willits. The phone number, if you want to donate during this hour, 470-508-1160, 470-508-1160, as we are trying to raise the funds to be able to continue. I mean, what other radio station are you going to be able to listen to in the uh, metro Atlanta area where you're going to hear conversations such as the one that we're having right now? Sisters of Life, what was there? You said that they were initially involved with the creation of Be Not Afraid. Talk about that a little bit. Um, they, They still continue to be supportive. I think they just provided the inspiration for Monica Raffi, who's a mom in Chicago who developed the website. It was the first Catholic website providing support to parents care to term and she established it probably it's probably close to 19 years ago Hmm. when she got her diagnosis she went online um, as most women in that generation did and there just wasn't anything there was a lot of support for terminating the pregnancy at diagnosis but nothing that talked about carrying to term Um, and so she created the website with that intention Um, sometime later about eight or about 11 years ago, my co-founder and I, we were doing perinatal loss ministry in parishes in the Diocese of Charlotte. And we had a year where we encountered two families that had prenatal diagnoses. And I mean, we had a great perinatal loss ministry, but we didn't connect with these families at the right time. So one family at diagnosis had terminated the other family and were very burdened by it because oftentimes when it's presented, um, it's not really called an abortion. It's called an induction of labor. You frequently would come into the hospital where you would have delivered the baby. Very likely you've been told the baby's going to die anyway. Um, so this mother had done this and, and ultimately got a bill that said abortion from the hospital. And oh. that was the first time she encountered that. Oh, my. The second family carried to term 
didn't really know in the parish how to tell anybody that they'd been told their baby was going to die at birth. So they did not seek help until after the baby was born. So in both instances, we thought, gosh, these are families that needed information, Catholic information, and they needed support, um, spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Um, and consequently, we made the decision to try and a, you know, develop a service that could meet those needs on the parish level. Ultimately, God took us a little bit beyond mm-hmm. that level. Mm-hmm. We just got a donation. Uh, Lauren Whitaker called in uh, saying thank you for giving your heart to the youth ba- and all the babies and their mothers um, and the work that you're doing. And so thank you, Lauren, for that very kind donation in, in Tracy's honor for this work that we're doing with the quest, if you want to be a part of this, if you want to make a donation in someone's honor, you can certainly do so. If you want to make a donation in honor, be not afraid in the work that Tracy Windsor and others are doing, please give us a call 470-508-1160. That's 470-508-1160 as we're in the midst of the AM 1160 Quest Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive. We'd love to hear from you. You can also, of course, go on to thequestatlanta.com and make your donations available there, too. We have a big red button on our Quest app that hopefully you've downloaded onto your mobile device, whether it be an iOS phone or an Android or whatever it is you might be using. Go to your various mobile app stores and download. Look for The Quest Atlanta, and you'll find the app. Download it, and you'll be able to donate that way as well. Again, the phone number 470-508-1160. We'd love to hear from you during our fall family Atlanta strong Atlanta family strong spirit drive here on the quest 470-508-1160. We're going to continue talking with Tracy Windsor talking about be not afraid and much more coming up here during our family strong spirit drive. More ahead. This is Father Gorov Shroff, a priest of the Archdiocese of Atlanta, and this is my favorite prayer, the Absorbeat, attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. May the power of your love, O Lord, fiery and sweet as honey, wean my heart from all that is under heaven, so that I may die for love of your love, you who were so good as to die for love of my love. The Quest presents Lesser Known Saints with Ken and Chuck. Tell us about St. Lidwina. She was born in the Netherlands in 1380. As a young girl, she was known for her prolific ability as an ice skater. But at the age of 15, she was injured in a tragic skating accident. She would ultimately wind up partially paralyzed for the remainder of her life. A young woman of profound faith, Lidwina would use this time to pray unceasingly while offering up her physical suffering to God. As her relationship with the Lord deepened, she experienced numerous mystical visions. She quickly became known as a holy woman and a healer. Legend states that she was nourished only by the Eucharist for more than 19 years. When she died, it was reported that she saw Jesus coming to administer the last rites. Devotion to her would spread rapidly after her death, and a biography was written by Thomas Kempis. St. Louis' feast day is April 14th, and she is the patron saint of ice skaters. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Hello, I'm Scott Hahn, and I invite you to join me this October for our St. Paul Center Gala Dinner in Atlanta. For details, visit stpaulcenter.com forward slash gala 2019. When Pope John Paul II landed in Washington, D.C. and was greeted by then-President Reagan, the president said, Welcome to the land of the free. And John Paul II said, 
Free, yes. But free for what? Free for what? It seems today that we define freedom as the ability to do whatever you want. Of course, doing whatever we feel like doing in the moral realm doesn't necessarily lead to freedom, but often leads to vice. Vice. That's the perfect word for it. It's a destructive habit that grabs us kind of like a vice grip and doesn't let us go very easily. Don't believe me? Think of your favorite sin. Now try to stop. <laughs> Genesis 4-7 says, Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and become its master. You see, freedom isn't the ability to do whatever we want, it's the power to do what's right. And ultimately, true freedom is the power to love. That's the kind of freedom Jesus Christ modeled for us in his life and in his death. And it's the kind of freedom he's inviting us to live in today. I'm Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Hello, I'm Mike from Atlanta. You've discovered AM 1160, The Quest, where faith meets life, covering all of Metro Atlanta and beyond. Listen on air or online at thequestatlanta.com any time of day. Welcome back to The Quest Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive here on AM 1160. My name is Greg Willits. I'm your host for the next few hours. During this Family Strong Spirit Drive, 470-308-1160, and your calls are so valuable to us during this hour in particular as we're speaking with Tracy Windsor from BeNotAfraid.net. This uh, apostolate doing amazing things. We'll dive into that a little bit more. But again, we, we truly need to hear from you. You can go online to make a donation right now at questatlanta.com. You can even donate in honor of a certain guest, and your donation will talk about that during that hour uh, to be able to share uh, your donation with the world and let them know that you support Catholic Radio. This fall Atlanta Family Strong uh, Spirit Drive that we're doing, featuring all these marriage and family topics, these spirit drives truly are critical days for this station to get the funds that we need to be able to run the station as well as maintain it and to be able to grow the station is one of the critical things that we want to do. And this is only done two times a year. So donations are very important right now. We don't want you to wait. If you're listening right now and you feel that you're not sure or maybe later on that you're going to make a donation, don't wait. Please give us a call right now. And all week long, we're going to be speaking with beloved local priests and deacons, lay people that are doing amazing things impacting marriage and family life in the metro Atlanta area. And we have some very interesting hours ahead that we're looking forward to sharing these amazing guests with you. This is local content. This is the kind of stuff that we've been hearing from so many of you. We want more local content, and this is what we're so happy to be able to provide this week. 470-508-1160. Again, 470-508-1160. We want to say that number so many times that it gets in your brain and you just have to call in to help us out. We'd greatly appreciate whether you can give just $10, $25, $100 or more. Every donation means so very much to us. And just want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your financial support. By your donation today, you're helping people to encounter Jesus over the airwaves. And you can pledge a lump sum. You can uh, Monthly donations are our bread and butter, $20, $30, $40 a month. To doing so helps you to join the St. Gabriel Society. We have a mass said once a month for the personal intentions of the members of our monthly donors in the St. Gabriel Society. And you can do that, sign up, and be a part of that. 
Become one of our members of the St. Gabriel Society of members of who pledge $20 or more per month. Or if you make a one-time annual donation of $500 or more, you're enrolled in the society. And that provides spiritual benefits throughout the entire year. Each month, the Mass is said for your personal intentions. And today, we're going to be having Mass in our chapel here at the Quest, 11 a.m. this morning. If you're in the area, if you want to stop by and join us for Mass, you're welcome to do so. But we will be offering up and praying for your personal intentions. And the volunteers here at the Quest spend time in front of the Blessed Sacrament every day and offer up prayers on your behalf. And we just ask, would you please keep the quest in your prayers? That goes so so far for us, knowing that you are praying for us. Your financial do- donations obviously are what we need to be able to continue our operations, but we look for your prayer support as well. The evil one does not like the work that is being done with the quest, and so we certainly need your help. So speaking right now with Tracy Windsor, Tracy, we were talking about be not afraid and the work that you're doing. You know, there's this idea of sometimes it's difficult to talk about these prenatal diagnosis. And and sometimes, you know, this idea of lethal language, there's some things that people just, it's almost, you don't want to say what what it is. Talk a little bit about that and the the difficulty that comes with this lethal language or, or language that people are uncomfortable with. Well, and what we see is that at diagnosis, when really what you're talking about is the diagnosis of disability, and in particular what would be life-limiting disability, because it's hard to know exactly what the lifetime of that child's gonna look like. We frequently see lethal language attached by the doctors, and it's become very common in the Catholic community, in the pro-life community, um, to think, in fact, that a doctor can tell prenatally if a condition is incompatible with life. So, for instance, the doctor would give a prenatal diagnosis, and rather than saying this is a disability that's life-limiting and explaining that fully, whether it was a genetic condition or an anatomical issue, doctor might say, well, this baby who's alive in the womb, but this is incompatible with life, they might say this is a lethal prenatal diagnosis or this is a terminal prenatal diagnosis. Are they obligated to say these? I mean, it's no. like, it's, it, this sounds like... Where is this culture coming from that these are things that doctors feel like they have the need to say these things? You know, um, there was a, a study that was published in 2012 in the International Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and they said the question they were looking at, why do doctors attach lethal language? Um, and they came up with a, several um, observations. One, that maybe they mistakenly think that the condition is lethal. It might be an issue of physician education. Um, maybe they're uncomfortable with telling parents the uncertainty of life limiting instead of lethal. But the one that we see more troubling in terms of supporting Catholic families is um, that it makes it easier if it's a lethal condition to make the decision to abort. And if not to abort, then to manage the parents during pregnancy into making decisions about care for the baby before the baby's ever born. So that might be a decision to provide Uh, comfort care or to pursue palliative care without any evaluation of the baby. And lastly, um, oftentimes, and this was said in the journal, it's because doctors think that what they're looking at is a baby who has a life that's not worth living based on the Hmm. level of disability. And I just think in... That's just a judgment call on the doctor's part? Yeah. Quality of life, we hear it all the time. Uh, Parents are frequently given quality of life conversations. Um, And I think that Sadly, around prenatal diagnosis, abortion has become just a very comfortable topic, whether you're talking about obstetric medicine or sometimes even neonatal medicine or um, pediatric specialists like neurologists. 
um, who look at a baby and think, well, this brain has some major issues and it's hard to say. And, you know, maybe the best thing these parents could do would be to end this pregnancy and start over. Um, what is denied in that is that very often these parents have a relationship already with this child. Mm. Um, again, often these are diagnoses made at 20, 21 weeks. Um, so heartbeat heart, maybe they have the name. Yeah. They might've already chosen, you know, they might, uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things, attachments that they've made. They've announced it's their baby. It's their baby. Um, And, you know, if you have a baby who's frail or delicate, if you have a child who's frail or delicate as a parent, instinctively, you want to take care of that baby. None of us would wish away, God forbid, a two-year-old with type 1 diabetes or a six-year-old with a cancer diagnosis. We would lean into that child. Um, and so the interesting thing about this lethal language and parents with a prenatal diagnosis is that we often find that the medical researchers, secular, and the medical ethicists are noting the same things that we would identify as Catholics as problematic. So in the research, they're saying we should be calling this life-limiting, and babies should have an opportunity to be evaluated at birth, which would be consistent with Catholic teaching. But providers on the ground just haven't, they're not there yet. Um, so parents really struggle. And this this idea of being um, talked out of loving the baby that you are carrying is one of the ways that parents are uh, traumatized. Just as one example, um, there's a condition called anencephaly. It is a very significant, I mean, the brain doesn't develop, mm. um, the skull is open. It's bad, mm. right? Sometimes you'll see babies who might live two or three years, but it's a very difficult diagnosis. About 96% of the babies are aborted. We supported uh, a mother who, in trying to say, well, no, I'm going to carry to term, the doctor finally, kind of in his frustration with her, said, your baby's no better than that doorknob, Um, which speaks to the level of really disability bias that these parents encounter with certain diagnoses. How, How is a parent, again, a parent who just heard terrible news, how is a parent supposed to respond to a doctor like that? I mean, you go to a doctor and you're you're there trusting the authority of a doctor, the education of a doctor, the knowledge of a doctor, the wisdom, and to hear something like that, I would imagine would knock someone almost off their feet if they were unprepared for that kind of thing. You know, and yet we as Catholics, we believe in the sanctity of life from the moment of conception until natural death. Right. I could see someone walking in not being prepared to respond to that. How do you respond in those moments? What, what, what do you counsel people? You know, be not afraid. What a wonderful apostolate uh, and title for an apostolate focused on these kinds of things. Be not afraid. Speak on behalf of your child, I would think, would be the answer. Right. Well, and, and so often they leave those appointments. We actually had one mother who left an appointment like that. She was sitting at a table not unlike this and getting bombarded with the negative and the negative and the negative. And she said she thought to herself, well, you know, if you get arrested, you get a phone call. And so she said, can I make a phone call? And the two doctors said, well, okay. <laughs> and she got up and never went back. You know, she left. Yeah. She, but, but I thought how, how indicative of um, how difficult that 
situation is and totally unexpected. You know, most parents go into prenatal testing without any mindset that they're going to find something wrong. I mean, there's this kind of collective um, myth that prenatal testing is about getting you a healthy baby Mm. with the idea being that like if something were discovered maybe there's a prenatal treatment that would help that baby or um, if nothing else maybe you would know more about where you wanted to deliver or you would want to have the right specialists available what parents don't realize with lethal language is that often with some of these diagnoses um, the prenatal diagnosis results not only in the withdrawal of care to the baby at birth, but oftentimes in an obstetric sense, you suddenly are in a situation where you say, well, okay, I'm not terminating, I'm going to carry my baby to term. And the OB might say, well, we're not going to provide fetal monitoring during labor and delivery because this baby's dying. Or we're not going to do an emergency C-section if there's fetal distress because this baby's dying. And this baby won't get respiratory support at birth because this baby's dying. Um, So when you look at the medical researchers who are saying, you know what, we, we see, they see, and we in Be Not Afraid see, babies who do better than what any everybody anticipated. It's just not possible, even with the most significant diagnoses, to, to say uh, summarily and without doubt that a baby will die and when. Um, so we this year wrote a document which is available on the website in consultation with the National Catholic Bioethics Center called The Ethical Care of Infants with a Life-Limiting Prenatal Diagnosis. Um, and we hope to have a, an article published in Ethics and Medics around it. But it basically talks about the, the responsibility of Catholic parents not to make decisions that impact baby care until they have an opportunity to evaluate the living child. Um, so oftentimes when we connect with a family, we, we say, first off, you are traumatized. Mm-hmm. That was traumatizing. Mm-hmm. The things that were said to you were horrible. Mm-hmm. We try to unpack all of that. Um, and then we explain what caring to term looks like. And, you know, that you, we always say to parents, the diagnosis day is the worst day and the birth will be better even if it means a death mm-hmm. because you will be prepared. And that gives parents enough space to take a deep breath and think about what the future could be and connect back to their baby. We, we always say that when there's a prenatal diagnosis, the medical focus shifts from any concern about the baby to looking at the pregnancy and that the pregnancy needs intervention and the option for that is abortion. Um, so we help parents, we, we take it all the way back to this is still a baby and it's still the baby you were happy to be pregnant with two weeks ago and it's still the baby that you love um, and it's an immortal soul that God entrusted mm-hmm. you with mm-hmm. and it's a child with a disability. It's not a scary uh, child with some kind of uh, condition that you're going to be afraid to encounter and you can do this with support. I'm Greg Willis, joined here in the studio at the Quest Atlanta by Tracy Windsor from BeNotAfraid.net. During the Quest Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive, 470-508-1160. Our conversation with Tracy, just one example of the kinds of content that you get with Catholic Radio here in Atlanta on the quest we're about to listen to a clip from christ is the answer with father john ricardo another one of the amazing programs available to you right here on the quest monday through friday at 8 a.m eastern take a listen to father john ricardo here on the quest my sense is that the trouble for a lot of us as regards living with joy in the midst of this world is that we hold ourselves or at least many of us hold ourselves to what i think is a very unrealistic and downright unhuman expectation 
many of us expect ourselves to live in a way that even Jesus didn't live, which is simply foolish. Gospels tell us Jesus got angry. He threw furniture down the steps. As G.K. Chesterton said, he had no problem saying to people or asking them how they thought they were going to be able to escape the flames of hell. He got angry. He didn't sin. It's possible to be angry and not sin. But he got angry. Scriptures tell us that he cried. He cried at Lazarus' tomb. He cried over the vision of the city which he had come to save and to redeem, which had rejected him. Gospels tell us he got sorrowful. Gospels tell us that he was deeply troubled in spirit when the time of his passion was approaching. He sweat blood. So profound was his terror in the face of death. And he cried out from the cross, feeling abandoned. If Jesus experienced all these things and did all these things, then surely you and I not only can do these things, but if you and I don't do them, something is wrong, not good. To not do these is not to live superhumanly, it's to live unhumanly. So I think maybe one of the things that the Lord wants to do is just give permission for some of us to realize that we can go through these and that it doesn't mean we don't have faith. It doesn't mean that we don't have joy. The Lord always has the disposition of joy, but he allows a real humanity to always shine through him. Some of us think we're supposed to live life like robots or machines, but God is passionate. There's something like suffering in God. You have to be careful how you say that, but there's something like suffering in God. We see him in the gospel again. He's moved to act on our behalf. He's not just sitting up there, you know, figuring out the computer program with a mathematical formula for us all to get home. His heart is moved, the prophets tell us, over and over again. So if God responds in that way, then it's only appropriate for you and I to respond that way. And I don't think some of us allow ourselves to do this. The goal of this apostolate, at least part of it, has always been for us to grow not only in our devotion to the Sacred Heart, but in our similarity to the Sacred Heart, or in our sharing in the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So let's listen to the Lord's heart tonight. Not only as he speaks through the scriptures, but even as he's just speaking to us individually in the room. Whatever it is that he wants to say, whatever freedom he wants to give to us, so that our hearts can more and more resemble his. And so that we can live a really authentically human life. God gives permission to grieve. Some of us are still in the midst of grieving. And we think we should be strong. Says who? God didn't say that. In fact, God often just says, give in. Not give in to the grief. Give in to me. Let me take the grief. Bring the grief to me. Be real. The Lord knows what's going on inside us anyway, so there's no sense putting up a facade. Go ahead and be real. In uh, Pope Benedict's incredible work, which if you haven't read Jesus of Nazareth, you have to read He talks a little bit about this. He's dealing with a chapter on the Beatitudes, and he's talking about what the Beatitudes have in common with Paul, who we just looked at. Let me just read this briefly and share it with us, because I think it encapsulates this tension that we're trying to live in, which we have to understand is possible to live in between suffering and joy. Pope writes, What the Beatitudes in Luke's Gospel present as a consolation and a promise, Paul presents as the lived experience of the Apostle. He considers that he has been made the last of all, a man under a death sentence, a spectacle to the world, homeless, slandered, and despised. And yet he, Paul, experiences boundless joy. 
as the one who has been handed over or who has given himself away in order to bring Christ to men, Paul experiences the interconnectedness of cross and resurrection. We are handed over to death so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. In his messengers, that would be us, his disciples, Christ himself still suffers, still hangs on the cross, and yet he is risen, irrevocably risen. Although Jesus' messengers in this world are still living the story of Jesus' suffering, the splendor of the resurrection shines through and it brings a joy, a blessedness, greater than the happiness that Paul could formerly have experienced on worldly paths. It is only now that he realizes what real happiness, what true blessedness is, and in so doing notices the paltriness of what by conventional standards must be considered satisfaction. So there is a tension in the life of the disciple. We are experiencing great pain, great struggle, not only externally but internally, and great joy. Not either or, both and. They go concurrently in the life of the Christian. And welcome back to The Quest. You are listening to Christ is the Answer with Father John Ricardo. That clip, you can hear Christ is the Answer right here on The Quest, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. So glad to have you joining me. My name is Greg Willits, and I'm your host for the next few hours for The Quest Atlanta's Family Strong Spirit Drive here on AM 1160, or perhaps you're listening to The Quest at thequestatlanta.com. You can listen to us 24 hours a day wherever you are on thequestatlanta.com or with our mobile app. Hopefully, you've already downloaded that. We want to see if what was the goal? Uh, 888 downloads is what we want to get during the course of this. Uh, I'm, again, we had some weird number. That's the only way I could remember is because we had 888. Otherwise, I would have had no clue what the goal was. But 888 downloads, that's what the goal is uh, during this, this spirit drive. So we would love to hear from you during this hour as we are speaking with Tracy Windsor from Be Not Afraid. What an amazing conversation we're having. But 470-508-1160 is the number that you need to call if you want to make a donation. Perhaps you want to make a donation in honor of some Someone that you know, maybe someone that you know, or even yourself, yet you've dealt with some sort of prenatal diagnosis and difficulty, and you're thinking about that person, or maybe you're just so appreciative of the fact that there are pro-life organizations doing good work like Be Not Afraid, and you want to be able to say thank you for that. Thank you to the Quest for being able to share this kind of information with the world. Where else would you hear this kind of information if not for Catholic Radio? And that's why we are here. That's why the Quest exists here in the metro Atlanta area. But we need your help to be able to continue doing this work. Again, that number is 470-508-1160. I want to tell you about something that we would love to gift you with something in our way of saying thank you to all of you who become a member of our Quest St. Gabriel Society. Now, the St. Gabriel Society, these are our monthly donors who pledge $20 or more per month, or you make a one-time annual donation of $500 or more. You are enrolled in the society, and that provides spiritual benefits throughout the entire year. Each mass, or excuse me, each month the mass is said for your personal intentions. But what we're doing during the Spirit Drive is we actually have a book of the hour that we want to offer to you. All people who sign up this hour alone for being one of our St. Gabriel Society members will get a copy of Father Robert Spitzer's book, God So Loved the World. This is clues to our transcendent destiny from the revelation of Jesus. And this is an amazing book. You probably know about 
Father Robert Spitzer. His other books include Finding True Happiness, The Soul's Upward Yearning, Healing the Culture. He's a very dynamic speaker. He really writes and speaks on a very personal nature. And so you can get a copy of this book just by becoming one of our St. Gabriel Society members or if you want to become one of our founding members. And again, to do so, give us a call 470-508-1160 and we'll be happy to take your call as we continue the Quest's Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive today and throughout the course of this week. Speaking right now with Tracy Windsor from Be Not Afraid. Dot net. Be not afraid. This is a an organization, a private nonprofit organization, holding uh, providing comprehensive case management to parents who are caring to term following a prenatal diagnosis. Tracy, you were talking a little bit about some of the research that you've been doing as well regarding longevity. So, talk a little bit about that for our audience. Well, as I said, the medical providers are not as up to date, let's say, as medical ethicists, non Catholic medical ethicists, and medical researchers. So, um, and a lot. A lot of times in our work, we're better able to help parents be advocates for the care that they want for their baby if we can provide them with some medical research that supports that. So we have a lot of links on our website, uh, both uh, on the page for medical professionals as well as on the resource page um, that individuals can use to look at information regarding these diagnoses that are often characterized as lethal. There's a lot of research right now on trisomy 13 and 18, which are frequently unfairly characterized as lethal because of the level of intellectual disability. So in 2016, the American Journal of Medical uh, Genetics published an article where they were looking at specifically if a baby is prenatally diagnosed or if a baby is diagnosed at birth. So there wasn't a prenatal diagnosis, but unexpectedly baby at birth clearly appears to have a problem and baby's diagnosed maybe in the first week. And they wanted to see what does this do in terms of longevity? What's the impact on those two scenarios in terms of longevity for the baby? They looked first at the first day and then they looked at discharge. Um, and it was shocking, so shocking that they were able to say that prenatal diagnosis is the strongest independent factor negatively associated with longevity. Because um, for the babies diagnosed at birth, 99% of the children with trisomy 13 and 18 lived the first day, whereas only 31% of the children with a prenatal diagnosis lived the first day. Say that part again. I want to so, make sure I got those numbers that are yeah. ceiling in There's, my head a little bit. Cause those yeah. That's, that's complex. Say that again. Yeah. 99% of the children who were diagnosed at birth survived the first day. Oh. Only 31% of children who were prenatally diagnosed survived the first day. And then that, that's a great illustration to show the level right. of care that is not given it's withholding, were, yeah. It's withheld. And, and you could say, well, okay, maybe those 99%, um, maybe those kids were intubated and then they had to be extubated. There's all kinds of you know, complicated things that might mean that those babies were alive the first day but not alive to discharge. Well, that's, a, that's too big of a disparity of the percentages. Still, but if, even if you look at discharge, which they looked at, 87% of the children diagnosed at birth survived to discharge versus 47% of the prenatally diagnosed infants survived a discharge. So we routinely see parents, the lethal language is attached at diagnosis to encourage abortion. It doesn't get removed. Um, parents are encouraged before they ever welcome this baby to make decisions about withdrawing or withholding care, limiting care. Um, and clearly that makes a difference in terms of how these babies do at birth. Likewise, there's research that looked at where we have data, um, 
the survival rates for children across different states. So in North Carolina, where we founded Be Not Afraid, it's very difficult uh, to get a child with trisomy 13 and 18 who's stable, breathing on their own, to be evaluated for uh, a heart surgery, hmm. a very simple, maybe the most common heart surgery. It's a hole in the heart, a VSD. Um, and here in Atlanta, it's a much better environment. Routinely, babies with 13 and 18 will be evaluated for these simple surgeries. So if you look at the survival rates between North Carolina and Atlanta, um, in North Carolina, fewer than 10% of children with 13 and 18 survive the first year. Um, in Georgia, which is primarily about Atlanta, more than 20% hmm. survive the first year. So again, when, when doctors are saying to parents, this is lethal, this is incompatible, I know this baby's going to die, we have this medical research that says, no, it's actually not that simple. A lot of it is about the care that's provided at birth, um, and a lot of it is about where baby is and the extent to which the medical community where baby is is willing to treat that baby like an individual. The number again, 470-508-1160. During this Quest's Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive, AM 1160. My name is Greg Willits, here with Tracy Windsor from Be Not Afraid. The idea of doing this kind of, of work, how did you get into this in the first place yourself? You know, uh, I was working in, um, it's, a, it's a question I'm going to struggle with because it's a very personal question. I was working in perinatal loss ministry in the parish. And um, I had had, uh, I've had two miscarriages in my life. I'd had a second miscarriage when I started the, the lost ministry I was working in. Oh, my. Okay. Um, hmm. And I knew that I, I knew that I was called to something. I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but I, I felt like this baby was about something for me. Not to, not to give the baby meaning, but that it was a calling. Um, and as I said, we, we encountered this year where we found these two families that desperately needed something, and, and we weren't there. Nobody was there to help them. So after those two families, my co-founder and I thought, well, God must be telling us to find somebody to do this. And we thought, well, there's got to be a Catholic pro-life doctor, or maybe one of the hospitals will do it, or the hospice. Somebody's got to be doing this. And we spent about a year and a half waiting for somebody to do it. And then we were like, well, guess what? Nobody's going to do it. We've mm -hmm. exhausted that. Mm -hmm. So maybe God's asking us to do it. Um, even then, we were kind of like, this isn't going to work. I'm, God's confused. This will never work with just a couple of wacky pro-life Catholic women. I mean, I had no idea that this would become a national ministry, but it did. Um, and so... I find for myself um, the fulfillment in this work is that, you know, the last baby that I lost, that was like 17 years ago. Every time I'm on the phone with a family, every time I'm at a birth, that life is relevant in the kingdom. Um, and that's a great gift. I also find that, you know, when parents know that they have maybe not a lot of time with a baby, it, it is a huge compliment for them to share that time with you or with me. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we feel, those of us that work deeply with Be Not Afraid, we really feel like, the, you know, it's hard to know who gets the best, the, the greatest gift or the greatest grace out of this work. Um, because all of us come to this work with most of us with a, a loss, some with a prenatal diagnosis ourselves and then a loss, some with surviving children. Um, but the work is, is very meaningful to us in that way. And uh, we've welcomed over 170 babies. Wow. Um, and I've, I've had my hands probably on every single one of those babies in one way or another. Wow. Um, I'm so blessed. Ah. I'm just very lucky that I found this work, and I'm very lucky that 
parents come to us and let us help them. It, it, it's it's mind blowing to think about the the loss of life if not for work like what you're doing and the potential for life because of what you're doing at BeNotAfraid.net. So thank you for doing that work. Thank, thank you. you for saying yes to God and, and doing that work. Thank you for being here with us today and sharing that message with us. Because again, I I, I just I marvel at the fact that if not for Catholic Radio, who would have known that this kind of ministry exists? Who would have known that this kind of important work is being done? How hopeful is it that this kind of work is being done for the sanctity of life, to be able to show of the beauty of life from the moment of conception to natural death, and even in those those difficult moments in life where you might have learned that there is a, a difficulty with the pregnancy, that still to be able to go to term, to live out God's will, to know that you are living out God's will, to experience the loving hand of God, and to hold that child, to be able to hold that child, even if you know that that child will die, what an act of beautiful dignity and love to be able to hold a child, to love that child in whatever time that that child has in your arms. And what a beautiful gift that is, and a beautiful witness to the world of the, of the, the potential for gift-giving life that God gives to all of us. It's just it's a beautiful story. So, Tracy, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having us. And, and you're right. Without Catholic Radio, we wouldn't be able to tell these stories and share information. So maybe you would like to, to make a donation in honor of BeNotAfraid.net or in honor, perhaps, of Tracy Windsor and the work that she's been doing. You can give us a call. The number is 470 508 1160 again 470 508 1160 during the AM 1160 the Quest Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive coming up in the next couple hours we're going to be speaking with Cindy Wagner talking about large catholic families Kathy Cotta and Carol Porter moms of two seminarians will be here with us late, later on today Lisa Brickenmeyer from Walking with Purpose will be here as well as my good friend Father Timothy Gallagher I'm looking forward to visiting with him later on today as well I'm Greg Willits you're listening to the Quest AM 1160 and our Atlanta Family Strong Spirit Drive with plenty more still ahead